I said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus five seconds of the loudest praise? And on your way to your seat, why don't you go ahead and high-five somebody and say, Jesus is in this place. 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 So here's what I want to do. Uh, they're going to just keep playing behind me for just a second. I'm going to read a scripture for you because I think it's so important that we do get our focus right. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm in the same place in my life a lot of times where anybody lose focus in the room. Come on, wave at me if that's you. I think all of us have, right? I'm a guy right now. Again, your boy is ADHD. Let's go, all right? And so focus is hard for me. I love what the Bible has to say in Proverbs chapter 4. And this is Solomon. He's the wisest man to ever live. And he's writing like this this letter to his son saying, Hey, fellas, I want you all to understand this is what I'm asking you to do when it comes to your faith. So I'm asking you to do. I'm writing you some letters to let you know, hey, this is how you should live your life. Proverbs, great. You can literally read one proverb a day every day. There's 31 days in a month, a lot of them. Like read a proverb a day. Start there, and you can get some wisdom as you and I begin to read that. Not only read it, but when we put it into practice. This is what he says in Proverbs chapter 4. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. I know you just stood for 39 minutes, but can you hop back up on your feet right now? Uh, We're going to stand on our feet just in honor of God's word. I'm sorry. It's like Catholic church today. Come on, somebody, right? Here's the deal. This is what it says, Proverbs chapter 4, verses number 18. It says, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness, and they have no idea what they are even stumbling over. Watch what he says. He's writing this to his sons. He's writing to you and I. If we know Jesus, he's saying, hey, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Watch what he says. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Watch, he says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What do we talk about over the last few weeks? Is that sometimes what I let in my eyes and ears makes it to my heart, right? So what I let in my eyes and ears, what I'm focusing on, what my attention is on, ultimately makes it to my heart. And what does the Bible just say? Guard your heart above all else. Like guard it because it determines the course of your life. And he goes on to say, verse 24, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Watch what it says. Look straight ahead. Somebody say, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Come on, don't get no ADHD in this life, okay? Keep your feet from following evil. That's what we want to talk about today. That's what I want to just kind of challenge us with from Proverbs and this idea of let's stay focused. Like, let's focus. Tap your neighbor and say, you better focus. Tap your other neighbor you pick second and say, you better focus. You better focus. You better focus. All right. Hey, listen, let me pray for us and you can have a seat. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Man, we love you guys. So glad that you're here. I asked in the beginning, have you ever been distracted? Is there anybody ever been distracted? Come on, wave at me right now. I think all of us have. I think we've all been in a place in our life where we've been distracted. Again, I have many times, uh, let me just ask this question. This is going to be one that we're going to have to pull the officers out for uh, because this is what I want to know. How many of y'all are distracted drivers? Come on, wave at me right now. All right, park team, get, get your eyes open right now. These are the people coming in at 48 miles an hour into the parking lot, not even seeing your orange vest up in the, in the parking lot, right? 
So distracted driving. I've been distracted when driving before. Um, uh, actually, one time I was uh, heading between my chicken barns uh, when I, we, uh, a few years ago when I had two different ones at two different locations. And what I did was I had a bottle that actually went beneath my feet as I was driving. And so I bent down. I got it on cruise control. Your boy's just going, distracted, obviously, early in the morning. I'm down. I'm getting the bottle between my feet. I look up. I'm going 75. Come on, because 10 over. Come on. I'm just, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Race that off of the tape. That'd be great. All right, so like 10 over is what I go most of the time. Anybody, anybody just, that's the speed limit. Okay, it's not, but okay. 10 over, I look up. Next thing I know is the person in front of me is going 30. And uh, so what did your boy do? He yanked it over to the middle, and I jumped back up on the, onto the asphalt, and I flipped my truck three times and landed on the tires facing the other direction the way I was coming. How many of y'all know distracted driving can be bad for somebody, right? Thankfully, I walked away, and if I would know that nobody or myself would get hurt, I would sign up to do it again. Come on, somebody. I, I would do it again. It was just like, wow, wow, like pretty awesome. And uh, I'm pretty sure my father-in-law got there before the police officers did because uh, I called him. was like, yo, I just had a wreck, and he was there. So it was like really awesome. So he was definitely not going to speed limit. But we won't talk about that. That's for another day. But I don't know about you, but being distracted sometimes can lead to a bad spot. Right? And I think, I, I think a lot of times we get so focused on some things that shouldn't and don't even really matter that ultimately we lose focus. And I think we all become distracted on the road from time to time. But this also happens in our life. Right? This also happens in everyday life for you and me. And again, I think there is an all-out attack that you need to realize that is on your focus. Because this is what I want you to write down. I want you to know is that focus, kind of like what we just talked about a little bit, what we just read in the Bible. Focus determines your direction, and direction determines your destination. So what I know is that when your focus is off, where you wind up isn't where you wanted to be. Right? When my focus was off as I was driving, hey, listen, I was not where I wound up wanting to be. I was in the ditch on the right side going the opposite direction. And I found myself, and I think all of us can understand in life that this is how focus works, is that distracted living can lead to dangerous living, right? Come on, this means yes in Kentucky. Anybody ever been distracted before, right? You've been distracted. You've looked at things. You've done things. You've got your focus on the wrong things, and ultimately it got you to a place that you never intended to go and never intended to be, right? So here's what I want us to know is that Satan, I just want you to know, is in all-out attack mode on your focus, like Satan will do whatever he can to actually come after your focus, take your eyes off of your mission, off of your calling, off of your purpose, distract you from what God is calling you to do. And this is what I want you to know. If you know Jesus, listen to me, that Satan cannot t- destroy you. That's good news on a Sunday morning, amen, right? That's good news is that Satan can't destroy you. There's nothing that you and I did to earn the love of God, and there's nothing that can take that away. And I'm so thankful that a relationship with Jesus, man, I'm signed, sealed, delivered for heaven. Anybody excited about that, right? I think all of us can understand that, that, that you got to realize that if you know Jesus, you are secured in Christ. And what I want you to know is that Satan is an all-out attack mode against you, right? His whole job is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so if he can't do those things to your soul, what's he going to try and do to you instead? Distract you. So if he can't destroy you, he will distract you. That's what he wants to do. He knows that God has ordained every single step, and he does not want you to reach your destination. 
He does not want you to reach where God has called you to go. And the enemy is coming after you to distract you. He wants to steal the moment. He wants to take your eyes off of the thing. He wants to get you not to focus on what actually does matter, but put your focus on things that do not matter. And I love what Proverbs have to say. It says, look straight ahead. Somebody say, look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. ahead. Then what does he say after that? Fix your eyes. Somebody say, fix your eyes. You know what that is? Focus. That you and I would focus on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get ADHD in this walk with Jesus. Stay focused. Keeping your feet from following evil. And then I just want to challenge us today. I think so many times in life, in church, uh, I mean, in your family, that you and I can be so caught up with the good that occasionally we miss the God in it. That, that we miss God in the middle of it. That we'll be so focused on the good that we miss God. I, I want to tell you a story, somebody in the Bible that I think had Jesus right in front of them, but I think they missed it. And uh, we're going to talk about this. You may not know this story. You may do. You may know it a lot. It's the story of Mary and Martha. Anybody know this story in the Bible? If you don't, it's okay. We're going to talk about it really quick. And we're going to find that actually in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. We're going to start. And this is what I want us to understand is that there is a big deal that's happening because Jesus is coming to these people's house, right? How many of y'all know if Jesus is showing up at your house, that's a big deal? Come on, how many of y'all know? How many of y'all think grandmama coming over is bad? Wait till Jesus is coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. And, and what happens, we pick it up in verse 38. We kind of hear part of the story of what's going on. And we see somebody that's distracted by the good and ultimately misses what's right in front of her. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a, warm, a woman named Martha. Somebody shout Martha. Somebody say, Martha, Martha, Martha. Come on, that's the Brady Bunch people. That's everybody over the age of 45 right there. That's for you. Okay, cool. Martha, Martha, Martha. What, what, uh, like, 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 okay. Martha welcomed him into her home. Watch what it says. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But watch what it says. Martha was what? Come on, what's it say up here in this underline? But Martha was what? Distracted. Distracted. Martha was distracted. And watch what it says, by the big dinner that she was preparing. See, I don't blame her. Anybody else? Anybody else excited about Thanksgiving? Come on, somebody. Anybody okay, ready for carbs on carbs? Come on, somebody, right? Mac and cheese. Where are my mac and cheese fans at in the room, all right? Where are my sweet potato casserole fans in the room? Who, is that dessert or is it? It don't matter. I'm just going to eat it. Is it dessert or is it side? It don't matter. Where are my turkey fans? Any turkey in the room? You asleep by 1230. Come on, somebody, right? We're my ham people for Thanksgiving, right? How that? Okay, we're my, okay, this is the question. We're my dressing people. Come on, somebody. Woo, right there. That's it, right? How, how many of y'all like a little giblet gravy on that dressing? Boy, let's just pray and let's go eat. Come on, somebody, right? Let's go home right now. No, no, no. I, I think about, again, what we got coming up when it comes to literally Thanksgiving coming up. Can you imagine for just a second preparing a big dinner for Jesus? Right, And what happens is, I don't blame Martha for trying to get all her stuff together. Right, I don't blame her. When y'all have company come over, how many of y'all shoving stuff in a closet? You're putting kids, you're putting cats in a closet, you're doing whatever you can. Right, You're trying to clean, you're trying to get everything ready. I know some of y'all, when y'all preparing a dinner for somebody to come to your house, y'all are like wild woman. All right? y'all, are, y'all are all over the place and you are just trying to make sure everything is so perfect. And again, I don't blame Martha in this. 
I can understand what Martha's feeling because Jesus is coming to her house. How many of y'all know that's a big deal? Right? Jesus is coming over, but Martha wasn't doing something bad. She actually was doing something good. Thank God for some people like Martha, right? That want to eat on time. Come on, somebody, right? Like want to eat on time, got the bills paid, got some gifts wrapped. Come on, that's, that's those kind of people like Martha, right? They just got all of their ducks in a row. And Mary's that one that don't show up to the party with nothing except some Tupperware. You know why? Because she's taking a to-go plate. Come on, somebody, that's it. Like that's, that's, that's kind of the dynamic that we're seeing right here between Mary and Martha. And here's what I want us to understand. Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. Martha didn't have anything that she was doing that was bad or wrong. But Martha was doing something good. It just wasn't the best. And I think so many times we get in that same trap in our life. Watch what happens. It goes on. She came to Jesus. She said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my lazy, no good, deadbeat. That's the Dustin version. All right, sorry. <laughs> That's the, that's the DMV, the Dustin McLean version. Okay, uh, that my, my, my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Like, tell her to come and help me, right? How many of us would probably be the same way? Right? How many of us would probably say the exact same thing to Jesus? Like, Jesus, we're working, we're serving, we're doing all of this. Why don't you tell somebody else to come help? Why don't you help? But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's not bad to have the details. It's not bad. Nothing wrong with that. But you're worried and upset over all of these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Watch what he says. Mary has discovered it. Mary has figured it out. Mary has fixed her eyes on it. Mary's not distracted by it. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. This is what I know. This is what I know from this story. This is what I even know from my own life is that we can be distracted by good things that may not be God things. I think a lot of us, if we're just being really honest, if we look at our life, we have that had that happen over and over and over again. What we see maybe as an opportunity, God may very well see as a distraction for us to accomplishing the purpose and the plan that he has created for us to do. And I just want us to challenge us sometimes even in church, if I can just be really transparent, can I, can I pull a curtain back today? Is that okay with everybody? About six of you. I said, is it okay if I'm just really transparent with everybody today? I think sometimes, and, and listen to me, listen to my heart behind this today. I think so many times we can come into church and we can get so distracted by the good things. Right? Again, I, these lights, I love them. Right? I just, I love them. I love the haze. Some of y'all are like, is it smoke? Is it haze? Is something on fire? I don't know. Well, okay. Just helps the lights, okay? Like, I love all of that. I love the sound. I love the screen. I love all of that. I love, I love everything that happens outside, the coffee, and I love our kids' team, and I love all of these things. And I think I want you guys to understand is that sometimes, though, if I can just be really honest, I walk into this room, and that's the focus instead of Jesus sitting right in front of me. And if I can just be really transparent, I want to just apologize to our church on behalf of just your, as your pastor, just saying, hey, you know what, there has been times in my life where I've put more stock in the lights being perfect than I did on experiencing and worship Jesus. And I think we can all agree that there has been times, even in church, where we get so focused on everything else that we miss Jesus right in front of us. We can be so distracted by the good. Nothing wrong with this. It's a tool. It's all it is. We're just trying to use it to attract more people to come to church. And like, okay, hey, cool, I love that. But when that becomes a focus, sometimes it becomes a good thing that may take our eyes off of the God thing. 
And I want to challenge some of us today. It's never been easier in our world today than to live distracted. Right? It's never been easier for us to walk around. We are walking around distracted all the time, right? I think all of us can agree with that. And this is what I've come to find out about my own life is I am great about doing things that do not last. Right? I'm great at doing things that do not last. I'm great at doing things that may for a little while seem like a really good idea, but they're not a good idea because they don't last. They're not, they're, not, they're not God things. And we get so focused on good things that we take our eyes off of that. And I don't know about you, but I want to be known for being great at things that last far beyond this life. Right? When I'm no longer here, when you are no longer here, what is it that's going to be said about you and I? What is this going to be said about us? And if we are going to leave a legacy, if we're going to live a life where we live, that our life lives beyond us, that's the air conditioning. It's a distraction. Come on, somebody, right? It's a distraction. I think it happens sometimes, though. I think all of us need to understand that there is a constant fight for your attention. There is a constant fight for your eyes to be focused on everything else. Whenever I'm asking us as a church, let's get focused on Jesus. Let's focus our eyes on Jesus. How are we going to do that? How are we going to be able to live a life of focus? I got three things I want to do. Just like any good preacher, I got three points for you. Come on, somebody. All right, number one is this. We got to fight the distraction. I know that's pretty simple to say, but we got to fight the distractions. Look at Paul when he's writing to the church in Corinth. He's telling them a few things. Watch what he's telling them in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. Watch what he says. With as few what? Distractions as possible. I want to help you try and do whatever you can. Serve the Lord as best as you can with as few distractions as possible. Maybe you look at your life, you would just look at your life this week. Hey, is there anything about my life that feels unproductive? My relationships seem like they're struggling. I'm not as close to God as I used to be. I'm not as in tune with what God wants me to do as I used to be. And I would just say, you know what you got to start doing? you got to fight the distractions. That you may have lost your focus. And one of the most common, uh, literally the common things I meant to grab and throw, uh, baby, do you mind underneath that phone or that water right there? Throw me that right there. My phone. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Oh, you softball pitching girl. Come on. That's good. Lofted it up. Come on. Give it up for Al Pal right there. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, I, I think one of the most common distractions in my life and in your life, can anybody agree? This right here. This right here, this is the Father, Son, and the Holy Phone. Come on, somebody, right? That's how we live our life. Right here, this this is it. Did you know that there is so much good that can happen on this, right? Phone calls can be made. You no longer have to ride a horse to your friend's house. Come on, somebody, right? You got a phone. You can call. You can call somebody. You can send a text message. I can snap pictures of my kids as we're doing things together, as we're having a blast together. There's so much good. You can order Murray Eats at 10 p.m. Come on, somebody, right? All right then, not from experience, but I just know, you know, that you can do that. <laughs> but, but I think about this thing right here, and I think about how this thing has been around for less than two decades, and that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years before that, people survived without this, right? And yet I can't get that far away from it without having anxiety. No, that's my phone. No, no, leave it there. It's good. No, 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 don't touch that, don't touch that. Did you know that you pick up your phone on average 10, every 10 minutes? Every 10 minutes, that's, that's low for some of y'all. You're on your phone a lot, right? Every 10 minutes. That, that literally, I want us to understand, that's 96 pickups every single day. 
96 pickups every single day. Here's why I want you to know. If you wonder why you're not as productive as you'd like to be, if you wonder why your relationships may not be as intimate as you thought they could be, if you wonder why you're not as close as God, to God as you'd like to be, could it be that you and I can't do anything meaningful without being interrupted every 10 minutes with something like this? And I want, I want to just treat, again, there's nothing wrong with this. It's good. There's good things that can happen from this. But sometimes the good can take our eyes off of God. And I want to challenge us with that. I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm, like, I'm going to be an old school dude today. Phone and social media. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? I'll just talk about it just for a second. Social media, though. I think a lot of us, we get inundated with social media. We talked about it a few weeks ago, getting on the carousel as soon as you wake up in the morning. Come on, you know, you go on Instagram, you go TikTok, you go Facebook, you go Instagram, you go Instagram, you go Instagram, you go Instagram, right? Like, can you spend 45 minutes on your phone on Instagram before you ever get out to bed, right? And this is the average person spends 147 minutes a day on social media alone. That's two hours and 27 minutes. You know what that is? Added up over the lifetime of an average person, that's over seven years of your life on social media. Over seven years of your life on social media. There's nothing wrong with social media. and There's nothing wrong. It's not bad, but maybe it's not the best use of yours in my time. And Pastor Craig Rochelle says it like this, that your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and your God is too good to waste your life distracted on things that do not matter. So I just came to describe and just to challenge somebody today. Listen to me. Your life is too valuable. God has created you. He gave you passions. He gave you gifts. He gave you callings. He placed you at this time in history. Why? Because in this time in history, you can best glorify him with your life. And he is too good for you and I not to waste our life on things that do not matter. He is too good. And so what I was going to do, again, this is something I'm trying to learn in my life, a discipline I'm trying to enact is this idea that you and I, I, I want to treat distractions almost like a temptation. I want to treat distractions almost like a temptation. So for me, I'm going to distance myself as far as I can from anything that's going to be tempting, right? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and say, oh, I can't go there. I can't do that, right? Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, keep to a path far from her. This is talking about sexual immorality, right? Like this temptation, don't go near to the door of her house. Here's what I want to do. I want to treat distractions like I treat temptations. Because ultimately, that distraction can actually lead into a temptation. But ultimately, that distraction is taking away the destiny that God has put on the inside of me and inside of you to go out and make a difference for Him. And I just want to challenge some of us in this room. Listen, some of you, you may need to get a little noise cancellation features because some of you guys in the room work with people that have the spiritual gift of loud. Come on, somebody, right? It's people you work with that you're around. They're distracting you. Maybe you need to distract some distracting apps that you're on for hours upon hours at a time. I'm going to resist it. Social media, maybe. Turn off notifications, the dings, bings, bing, bing, ting, ting, all that stuff, right? On our phones. We've got all of that that's constantly doing that. There might be some people that are distracting you. And listen to me, as a follower of Christ, we want to love all people, right? This church is a place for all people, that people are our heart, and we're going to be friends to all people, but people that speak into our life, those people in our inner circles, the people that we spend the most time with, we want them to be people that are sharpening us, that are leading us to serve Jesus and serve people more effectively not pull us away from that. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
right? And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise, become wise, right? Associate with fools or be a companion of fools, and he suffers harm. Listen to me. If four out of five of your friends are fools, you might be a fool too. I'm sorry. I, I know, but that's, that's what the Bible says. Walk with the wise, become wise. Associate, companion, like be a companion with fools, inner circle, and, and what's it going to happen? We're going to suffer some harm. You can't live the right life with the wrong friends. So maybe you got to get yourself away from the distractions. Again, some of you are dating a distraction. I've got enough time in this service to talk about that. I just made a lot of boyfriends mad just now, right? Here's the deal, though. If he's distracting you from serving Jesus and leading you into sin and not treating you with respect and honor, press delete on that dude, and God's going to upgrade your next one, all right? Like, here's the deal. Ladies, I'm, let, me, let me pick on the ladies for a second. Same goes for you girls. You got some girls that listen, like the fellas that you're dating that are not honoring God. They're constantly distracting you from what he's called you to do. I'm going to ask you to put some distance in between yourself from anything that distracts you from God. It's going to be a fight. Somebody say fight. You got to fight the distractions. Number two, you got to fixate on the important. You got to fixate on the important. I love our daughter. Her name is Conley. She's nine, just turned it on Halloween, and she is a gymnastics gal. I love going to her competitions, and we got some friends that, uh, obviously, Lorelai and some other friends that take gymnastics with her and uh, that go to church here, too, and just love going and watch these girls. Man, they're so, I mean, how they do it on top of a beam, I don't even know how it works, but I love watching the beam routine that Conley does. She's got this routine, and what I asked her the other day, I was like, baby, how do you, like, how do you stay on that beam? Like, that thing is like, really tiny, and yet you're doing like all of these, you know, like these flips and all this crazy cool stuff on it. How do you do that? She said, well, Daddy, they tell us what they do is fixate our eyes on one point. That we got to fix our eyes on one point, and as we're doing that, yeah, we could be smiling, yeah, we could be doing all that stuff, and, but I'm fixated. I'm fixated on one thing. I'm fixated on one point. Now think about that, and I think about Conley, that can teach us something about following Jesus. Because I got to thinking, you know what, that's the exact same thing that Proverbs is telling us. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. And then you go over to Hebrews chapter 12 in the Newer Testament. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud, a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And how do we do it? You know how we do it? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? And I love this story in the Bible, and we're about to land this plane in just a second. I love the story in the Bible about how you and I, uh, if you know anything, if you grew up in, in church, or maybe you haven't grown up in church, you know about Peter walking on the water, right? And I, I, I love that story. So I can kind of relate with Peter a whole lot. I kind of call Peter the cussing disciple. Come on, somebody, right? Like he just didn't have it together. But then he stood up. Listen, when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and he preached to thousands of people and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus just a few days after he just denied Jesus. Like tell me the Holy Spirit is not important for you and I to live with. Right, and so I just want to challenge some of us in the room, this story of Peter walking on the water, right? We know this story about Jesus comes walking on the water. He had sent the guys over, hey, I'll meet you on the other side. And they're like, yo, how are you going to do that? And he's like, don't worry about it. Y'all just go on. I want you to know that Jesus actually sent them out. And guess what happened? There was a storm in the middle of the, the, the lake that they're crossing. And so what I want to challenge some of you, you may be walking in a storm right now, but did you know that God can still use that for his glory? He may have sent that to you. 
you. He may have kind of let that happen to you in your life because he wants to use it so that ultimately he can get your eyes back on him. I think about this story of Peter. What happens is Jesus is walking on water, and they're feeling like they're about to drown, right? They're trying to get to the other side, and these are like some of them are professional fishermen, and they're freaking out. Next thing they know is Jesus is walking towards them. They think it's Patrick Swayze and a ghost. Come on, somebody, right? That's what they think, and they start freaking out. They say, what in the world? It's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's me. And, And Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to walk on water. Why do you think we sung the song, Walk on Water, today? There you go. All right, come. Because, again, say the word, Jesus, I'm walking on water. Say the word, and I'm stepping out of the boat. Say the word, and I'm keeping my eyes on you. And what does Peter do? Steps out of the boat, starts walking on water. And, boy, I mean, listen, I would be talking about that forever. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, yo, two people walked on water, Jesus and me. Come on, somebody, right? I'd be telling everybody. But, but he starts walking on water, and ultimately what ends up happening is he's not fixated on the important and gets his eyes on everything that's around him. I think what begins to happen, obviously, in that moment is that he, what, what, he's, what he's experiencing is he's taking his eyes off of the important, and he's putting them on everything that's around him, and ultimately that causes him to sink. But you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm thankful for a God that didn't let his head go under for like five seconds and be like, yo, I told you so. You should have you, you kept your eyes on me. No, that's not what Jesus did because it says in the Bible, immediately. Somebody say immediately. Immediately he reached out and grabbed his hand, and he pulled him up. And I just want us to understand, just take note of Peter's life. And I think if you and I are going to live a life of eternity that's going to live on past us, even once we're no longer here, we got to fixate on the, the eternal. we got to fixate on the important. As we sang, again, this entire series, This is the Kingdom, comes from Matthew chapter 6, right? Talks about, the, literally, the, the fact is, is this is, um, um, when we're talking about the, the, oh my goodness, I can't think of the, Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to go there right now. Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about blessed are those, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Praise the Lord for going to the Bible right then, right? My brain couldn't handle it. The Sermon on the Mount. Then you get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, longest sermon that was ever recorded in chapter 5. Get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And he says, seek. Somebody say, seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put your eyes on it. Fixate on it and live righteously and he'll give you everything that you need. I'm going to challenge some of us. Would you fix your eyes on Jesus? Would you fixate your eyes on the important? That's why I think it's so important that first day of the week you're at church. That's why it's so important that the first day of, uh, of the week that we're just spending time getting our eyes refocused on Jesus. That's why I want to encourage you every day, spend some time with Jesus. Don't just let Sundays be it. Man, go home and read your Bible. Listen to podcasts. Listen to other preachers because there's a lot more better than me, I promise. And just listen to them and and let that word of God speak over you and seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. Why do we fast? Sometimes it's to get our eyes off of the, the little things and fixate on the important. 
Why, why do we give of our money? Why do we give of that first fruit, that tithe, that first 10%? You know why? It's because you and I are saying, you know, I'm going to fixate on the important. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first. Listen to me. You will never wander into righteousness. You're never going to stumble into effectiveness. You're never just going to make a happen to just, oh, I just happen to make a difference today. No, you do it when you're fixated, when you are literally inundated on the important with your eyes on eternity. And it's not accidental, it's intentional. Because if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. We're walking around as distracted people. And I just want to challenge some of us today. we got to fight the distractions. we got to fixate on the important. And then we got to invest in eternity. we got to invest in eternity. Here's what I know is that if you and I are going to focus, we're focusing not to make a difference just here on this earth. We're focusing so that we make a difference for eternity. That somebody's eternity might be changed because of our faithfulness to serve God. That somebody's eternity might be different Because of the fact that we were able to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to listen to what he says. I'm going to invest in what he asked me to invest into. Let's live for something that will outlive you and I. And I think about that. And I think about this idea of what Matthew 6 also says. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where the thieves break in and steal them. No, store your treasures in heaven where the moths and rust cannot destroy And thieves do not break in and steal. And wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. This is what I want to try and just get across to you and I. What you do with your life right now matters. And it matters for eternity. I got an illustration. Everybody okay with that? All right, here we go. Follow me. Follow me. I'm sorry, Bailey. I'm sorry. I'm off the screen. All right. So I have in my hand this rope. That's a rope. I hope I can get to the end of it. All right. Now I've seen a couple of pastor friends of mine do this. Not really friends. I just really like them a whole lot. His name's Francis Chan and Mike Todd. You may know them. You may not. But we're friends. We're friends. Okay, besties. <laughs> I've never met Francis. If you're watching Francis, this is your illustration. Thank you. Um, I really, really want us to think about this. When we're talking about investing in eternity, I want us to think about how our life, if we could just think of it for just a second. If you can see this duct tape, this right here. This is our 78 years, right? That's what this is. So the spot right here is our 78 years. That's the average kind of lifestyle, lifespan of a person here on earth, 72 to 78, just depending on if you're a man or female or female. Let's just say 78 years. This right here is yours in my life right now. Here's what I know. What we do with this affects all of this. That didn't go a whole lot. But what I, what I want us to understand Y'all want me to really do it? You want me to just... (laughs) Dang, I can't even get past halfway. All right. Right here. What we do with this ultimately affects this. And I think so many times in my life, in your life, we get so concerned with what's happening right here 
We get so concerned with what's happening right here. We freak out and get our focus on right here. When God is asking us to say, hey, you know what? How are you going to spend this? It's how you're going to spend this. Use that smartphone. Can we record the second service, please? Like, just please. I'm very sorry. Jeez. You know what I'm trying to say, all right? How we spend this ultimately affects all of this. Now, what I want us to understand, what we do with Jesus here affects with what we do apart or with Jesus there. What we invest here, ultimately, again, what do you just tell us in Matthew chapter 6? Hey, don't store up treasures here. What you have in this life, store up treasures for eternity. Invest in things that are going to make a difference for eternity. Like, let's go out there and make a difference, not just in our 78 years here, but what kind of legacy are we going to leave? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? What kind of legacy am I going to leave? What kind of legacy is this church going to leave? When all of us are in a new season of life or we're dead and gone, guess what happens? What is going to be said of us? And I would hope and I would pray that there would be a lot of people that came out of Purpose Church and said, you know what? Man, they were focused. They were focused on the things that matter. They were focused on the things that were eternal. They were focused on the people that matter. They were focused on people that, that literally were willing to go outside the four walls of a church in an hour and 15 minute service and they were willing to go out into a community and make a difference for Jesus. I hope that can be said of all of us. But what my heart is for all of us today is this 78 years of your life, what are you going to say to Jesus? Like, What is the thing that you are going to say with Jesus? And he has given you and I the opportunity to know him, to have relationship with him. And what we decide here affects all of that, all the way across. So I want to ask you, where is your focus? What have you been focused on? Where is your heart? Because again, what we let in our eyes, our ears, ultimately makes our heart, ultimately affects our direction. But here's the thing I know is that you can have a new heart, a new vision, a new focus, a new life. And that starts with a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never said yes to Jesus today, but before, but today is that day. You've walked into this church and you just expected to come to another service. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just show up and just expect another service. But God has been dealing with your heart. God has been dealing with your life. God has been dealing with your sin. And here's the thing. I want everybody to look at me right now. Our sin, it separates us from God. We talked about it a little bit last week. That sin came into being in Genesis chapter 3. And that all of us from that point on have suffered with this thing called sin that separates us from God. And yet here we are thousands of years later still struggling with sin because that's just who we are. But yet what I love about Jesus so much is that Jesus, while we were still sinning, the Bible says, Christ died for us. And he died in our spot. And he went to the cross and he gave his life for you and for me. And man, I'm so thankful for that grace. And you may have just walked in here because somebody invited you to church, but I believe it was on divine appointment that you're in this room, that God had you here for a reason and a purpose. And that's for some of us to give our life to Jesus today. Maybe there's some of you in the room that say, you know what, I already have a relationship with Jesus. But I want to ask, how are you spending your 78 focused on eternity? How are you spending your life? And I want to challenge you, maybe you've, maybe you've gotten off focus, maybe you've been focused on good things, 
Maybe God is trying to get you focused back on the, the God things. So maybe you're in this room and you just need a, just an, another refocus. Here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I know this has been a longer service today. Thank you all for being attentive and man, being in here and just, just listening to what God is sharing. And, and just, just a, an experience more so than a service. And I just, I'm just so thankful for you. And, and again, I'm going to talk to the people that know Jesus for a second. Maybe you're in this room. And like me, you've gotten off on focus from time to time. You've got your eyes on the wrong things or on the things that aren't bad, but they're not the best. And maybe you say, today, man, the Holy Spirit has been convicting me. Say, you know what? Yes, I need to get focused back on Jesus. And my eyes need to be fixated on the important. And I'm going to invest in eternity. And I'm going to be saying yes to what Jesus is asking me to do from this day forward because of the fact that, guess what? Man, He saved me already, and I want to live for Him. So if that's you and you just need some prayer, I would just ask you to raise your hand right now. Just say, hey, that's me. Today's for me. I needed to focus. I need to refocus. I'm going to pray for you with your hands up. God, I pray for these guys and gals in this room right now that, that man, that, that are struggling, have struggled with, with, with just keeping their eyes fixated on the important. God, I pray that you would speak to them now, that you would show them how much you love them, show them how much you care about them, show them how good of a purpose you have for them that they would listen to you and do whatever you ask them to do, Jesus. Thank you for their willingness to raise their hand and say, hey, you know what? I struggle. I struggle keeping my eyes on you, but today is a refocusing day for me. Maybe you're in here right now, and maybe that's you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. You've never asked Jesus to save you. Again, what I said just a few minutes ago is the fact that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all mess up. We all have things we're working through. But Jesus, that's kind of the clause that's the most important. Not because of you and what you did, but Jesus, while we were still sinning, died on the cross for us. And he gave his life for us, gave his life for you and for me, and he has asked you and I into a relationship with him. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith, you've never put your trust in Jesus. If that's something that you want to do today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Pray something like this. Just say, dear Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you save me? I believe you died on the cross. I believe you gave your life for me. And I put my faith and trust in you today. I give you my heart and I ask for your forgiveness in exchange. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And maybe you're in here, maybe you're watching online, if we show this one. And, uh, and maybe you're in here, and you say, you know what, I, I have never, I, I, just, I just prayed for the very first time to accept Jesus. If that's you, listen, it's a one-time deal. You don't have to keep doing it over and over. It's because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what you did, but, but because you had just acknowledged that Jesus is Lord and you asked him to come in your life. Here's the deal. I want to know that. We want to know that as a church. We want to celebrate that with you. If that's you and you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, would you just slide your hand up and just drop it right back down? Say, hey, that's me. That's me. Anybody in here just say, hey, that's me. I just said yes to Jesus. You could drop it right back down. Awesome. Well, here in just a minute when we dismiss... We're going to have our team that's going to be up here on either side of the stage. Listen, those are incredible people that are, that are crew leaders. Some of my great friends in my life, our staff, our team, going to be up here on either side of the stage just to be able to host you, celebrate you, give you a Bible. And then, again, also, if you need prayer, I would ask that you wouldn't leave this place without having somebody just pair their faith up with yours. 
that, man, we could just go through this life together. But would you, if you just said yes to Jesus, would you come down here? And just have, We'd love to meet you, love to high-five you, love to say that we love you and are so thankful for you. And so if you don't mind doing that in just a second, uh, at the end of service when we dismiss, that would be awesome. Another way that you can let us know that you made that decision is just text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. That'll let us know that, and we'd be honored to follow up with you this week uh, on that decision that you made to follow Jesus. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, PURPOSE Church, can we do this? Can we lift our heads? Can we stand to our feet? Don't go anywhere just yet, but can we stand to our feet? Can we give Jesus all the praise, all the honor, all the glory? Come on. Is there anybody focusing on Him? Yeah.